Hello again, everybody. We didn't go away. There was no two-sport town last week. Our senior executive producer, Grant Puba, Gary Haraldson, we actually allowed him to take a vacation. Ben Fredrickson was in spring training with, uh, I think there's a baseball team in town called the Cardinals. He was there. And Ben Fred is on assignment again today, so I don't know. I We might call this two-sport town with Bob Wallace, our good friend, Bob Wallace, longtime NFL executive, longtime Ram executive, now heads a sports division at Thompson Coburn, is here. What, what, what do you think? Is Ben Fred Wally Pip, and, and, and you're going to be Lou Gehrig, or what? Well, we're we're going to ask the you know the people who are listening to the podcast just to write in the post dispatch and say we ought to replace Ben Fred. You know, you, you got Lou Gehrig Wallace here, and uh, yeah, we don't need Ben Fred no. anymore. No, no, I'm just kidding, Ben Fred. He, you don't pick a fight with a guy who buys ink by the barrel. We love you. <laughs> Always good to have Bob Wallace here, though, and 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 Bob, we're we're just. Uh, Really, a couple days removed from the uh, the uh, vote here in St. Louis, although it's technically a, a soccer issue. But just your your thoughts. Uh, obviously, there had to be some disappointment that the vote for the soccer stadium here uh, failed in the city of St. Louis on Tuesday. Well, you know, and, and I think later we'll probably talk to Mark Dennis a little bit, and he'll probably tell you a little bit about stadium financing and public financing and all that. It is hard when you bring a vote to the public. Uh, and ask the public for for money for a for a stadium, whether it's uh, football, basketball, hockey. Uh, you know, I thought this was a, a a tough hill to climb. You have to remember back in what the mid '90s, uh, the Cardinals were having trouble getting uh, public financing for their stadium. And as I say, in this town, if the Cardinals uh, are having stro- uh, trouble, everyone's going to have trouble. And you know, I think there was some backlash from uh, the Rams. Uh, the effort to get a Ram stadium where there was no public vote. Uh, and, I, and I think that sort of affected some people. And, uh, you know, it was in a city. It's a small turnout. Uh, you know, the county wasn't participating or wasn't asked to participate. And it's, it made for some issues. Yeah. And uh, and who knows? This could be it for the MLS. We don't know what uh, what lies ahead, at least the MLS in, uh, in, in, in St. Louis. But always, always tough with, uh, with public votes. Do you think, Bob, that this is uh, – an example that we need a little bit more, maybe a lot more regionalism, more of a regional approach to these things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think... It, it, and realizing that's a, it's a tough nut to crack, especially the way things are set up here. You know, if, if you listen to the to the, the mayoral race and, and some of the discussions, uh, especially in the city, people are talking about how do we regionalize our efforts. Uh, and some people talk about, when they talk about regionalization, they talk about even East St. Louis over there. Uh, but I, I do think that as a region, we need to come together uh, and decide how we're going to share uh, some of the some of the resources and then some of the, the benefits that we're getting from being in this uh, metropolitan area. And I don't mean metropolitan, I don't just mean the city of St. Louis. I mean St. No. Louis County, St. Louis, you know, a city, uh, St. Charles County. Uh, we're, we're all benefiting, and, and, and a lot of this uh, affects uh, the quality of life. Yeah. Uh, ben Fredrickson and I, we talked about perhaps with this vote changing the name to Three Sport Town. I guess, well, for now at least, maybe for the the long-time future, we'll have to have it uh, two-sport town. Bob Wallace mentioned Mark Gannis. He's going to be our guest a little bit later. May not be a name familiar to many in St. Louisans, but he in St. Louis, but he was instrumental in the whole move and transfer of the Rams. He's a uh, nationally known uh, uh, stadium consultant, sports consultant based out of Chicago. He's at all the NFL owners meetings. I saw him there uh, last week. We're going to talk about a lot about 
the Raiders relocation and just relocation in the NFL in general. But Bob, before we get to that, and I, I should also mention now our, our weekly reminder that you can get these podcasts on any any apps, anywhere where you get the apps. We, we've had some great uh, interviews, all, all kinds of guests over the last several months, and also online at stltoday.com backslash NFL podcast. But before we get to Mark Gannis, I want to talk to you a little bit about kind of the news of the NFL this week is Tony Romo retiring. It looked like Jerry Jones was trying to trade him. Teams weren't interested in trading for him. Then would he be released? And he ends up uh, retiring. You a little surprised at the way this went down or not? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that he's retiring. I'm not surprised that uh, there was interest from him, on him from the broadcast industry. I am surprised that he went from having uh, no broadcast experience to getting the number one uh, slot at CBS. As how, their, as Bob, a, how does that happen? It's I, like he's stepping off the football field into the number one job. They have like what? Most of the, the Fox and CBS, they have like six, seven teams, don't they? You think... They'd start him out maybe on the JV, fifth or sixth team? Or? Yeah, I mean, and, and I will tell you that, you know, Tony has been on the national scene. He's a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, which uh, may be one of the most, you know, recognizable franchises in, in, in the NFL, you know, along with the Patriots and maybe in, the Raiders. In sports. In sports. Uh, and he was the quarterback, which is, some people say, the most important position in, in, in professional sports. But I don't know if I've ever heard Tony give a long speech or talk about anything for a really long time. I mean, you know... Uh, Boy, that's a that's a that's a great point. It's like, have you ever come away from either being in person at an interview or, or hear, listening to him on TV or even the radio and said, "Wow, what a what a thoughtful guy." Not like Aaron Rodgers or certainly not uh, uh, Steve Young. I, I right. That's when I a think, great point. When I think about, it, I think think of Dan Deardorff here and oh when Dan was you yeah. know a player. You knew Dan was going to end up being on the broadcast booth. He was yeah. witty. He was funny. Yeah. Yeah. He would you know he was insightful. You knew he was going to be yeah. a good. Uh, yeah, Hannafin used to always make fun of Deardorff. Say, oh, you're better at your second career than your first. <laughs> that used to always get Deardorff. Yeah, well, that, that's a that's a, a love. Uh, Giving somebody a hard time, you know. Jim and and uh, Dan are, are great friends, and and uh, I'm not sure who made who. If you ask Hannafin, <laughs> Hannafin made Deardorff. If you ask Deardorff, uh, Deardorff made Hannafin. Uh, but you know, even if you look at Kurt uh, Warner, uh, oh yeah, and, and yeah. Kurt, you knew, you know, he was he was very articulate. He talked to. Uh, you know, about the game, uh, even when he was a player. You knew he was eventually going to be in the broadcast booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I I, can't say I know that about about Tony. Now, maybe because I'm not in Dallas, and maybe Tony was great on, on, on in Dallas and with the media. I just don't know that. Yeah, you know, is it just a mere fact of the star, the star in the helmet, the star power that that is the Cowboys? I mean, the Cowboys now, they're going to have the – the analyst spots locked up on the top teams because Troy Aikman's still the, the top dog with uh, with Joe Buck over there at Fox. Right. It was funny. I, I read something, and I don't know, is that uh, uh, Jerry Jones told uh, Tony, uh, you can't go to Fox because you you don't, again, want to be second fiddle to Troy. You're never going to be as good as Troy in the on the field, and you don't want to be you know following Troy in, in Fox. So go to CBS. So, uh, yeah, it's the star in the helmet. You know, it's, it is, as, we, as you said, one of the most recognizable uh, brands in sports. And poor Phil Simms, right? Poor, you know, I, I really like Phil Simms. I thought uh, he did a really good job. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, they're when they're doing an analyst job, they're talking to people who are not maybe uh, 
sophisticated about football as you might be. So maybe right. he's not giving you enough insight, but he may be giving people who are who are casual observers a lot of insight. Yeah, I, I kind of ran hot and cold him. There were, there were times when I really enjoyed him and times where he just kind of seemed like he was uh, kind of babbling. And Twitter is a, can be a very cruel place. And the reaction on Twitter, I mean, they, 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 just, they just pounded poor Phil. But how about you, you wake up one day and you go from the top spot to – out of a job, unless I don't know if I haven't even seen anything if he's going to return on a lesser yeah, I, team or. Yeah, I guess I read something that you know, CBS and he and his agent were going to take you know a couple of months to sort of sort through this. That he mm-hmm. has several years left on his on his contract. I, I don't think uh, Phil's going to be hurting for stuff. I think he's the executive producer on Inside the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he I think he'll end up okay. Now, kind of a larger picture and kind of going back on, on, on the field, and we're going to get to Mark Gannis here in just a minute, but kind of the two big storylines in the league, the quarterback carousel, everybody loves it in the offseason, was where would Romo end up and where would Garoppolo end up? Well, one has end up retired, and we're, we're getting close to the draft. Maybe something will happen with the draft with Garoppolo. Maybe nothing happens with either of them. Right, and I think you got to add the third one is uh, where's Kaepernick end up, or does he end up anywhere? Uh, so I mean, I and think Cutler that, and, and Cutler, uh, you know, I think when so when Mike Glennon and Brian Hoy are moving as the big quarterback news of the off season. Wait a minute, right? <laughs> you got to kind of wonder about that. You know, uh, Kaepernick is is probably the most interesting story. Cutler, uh, you know, I'm not sure anybody will pick him up. Uh, you know, based on sort of a long term performance decline uh grappolo is you know the patriots hold his rights you know it's, they're going to do what's best for the patriots first i think yeah yeah definitely definitely a quarterback league another great guest today on two sports town this is a guy that uh bob wallace our co-host and i have known for uh a little bit and uh you know mark gannis of the chicago Bay sports corps i didn't see you as much at the uh at the owners' meetings uh, last week, because uh, I, I didn't spend as much lobby time, but uh, every owner in the NFL knows who Mark Gannis is. As a matter of fact, in his next life, he might be a potted plant in the lobby of one of these hotels because he's omnipresent out there. Mark, how the heck are you? I'm well. You sure that's not what I am now? <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, Jim, I've known Mark probably since the mid-'80s when he was a uh, young Young ex- sports uh, executive coming up through the ranks, and he was young. He was probably like eleven back then. He was young in '95 right. when he when he consult uh, work with the Rams. But he was uh, trying. He was working a little bit with uh, Bill Bidwell and Tom Guilfoyle on uh, their stadium here in St. Louis way back when. And I remember Mark and uh, being there, and he was a, an aggressive uh, advocate for what he was doing. And Tom and I would sub say, "There's Mark and." We try to go the other way, and then the next thing I know, I'm coming here to interview with John Shaw for the job with the Rams, and who's sitting in the room is sort of one of the final arbiters of whether I get the job, and it's Mark Gannis, which is the lesson, always be nice to people. I got you. Mark, so uh, did you have some reservations about Wallace being hired or what? Uh, never. Not a one. <laughs> Remember, didn't you just hear his advice? Always be nice to people. There you go. Yeah, Mark Gannis is omnipresent. Mark, uh Tell us a little bit about SportCorps and what you guys do. Uh, we, we work on things like stadium and arena developments, team acquisitions, team relocations, regional sports networks, and some other entrepreneurial activities uh, related to the sports industry. And back in uh, 
late 90 very end of 94 95 you were you were the man on the ground here in terms of getting the uh, the PSL uh tickets going for for the Rams in in St. Louis correct yeah actually there was a period of time there after I was part of uh, the the team that John Shaw put together to uh, negotiate with the various potential cities if the Rams were going to relocate and uh, spent spent a great deal of time with uh, you know, with Richard Gephardt and Joyce Abusi and uh, uh, Senator Eagleton and a whole host of other people uh, representing St. Louis and then in the negotiations themselves. And then the NFL did not uh, approve the relocation of the team initially, if people, people may have forgotten that. And so basically from January to May of, of 95, uh, it was my, my staff that was in St. Louis representing the Rams because the Rams were not legally allowed to be in St. Louis at that time. Right. I think it would be an understatement to just say, Mark, that you were only involved in the PSLs. Mark was really uh, in charge of, as he just said, the St. Louis operation before uh, anybody from the Rams got there. He helped put together a staff, uh, found office space, did, did all the negotiations. He was, uh, we always wondered when the guy slept. <laughs> did you get any sleep last night, Mark? Uh, just a little bit, but I was really riled up looking forward to this interview and, and speaking with you and Bob. There you go. There you go. Now, <laughs> as fate would have it, the owners' meetings were in Phoenix at the Biltmore, the Arizona Biltmore. I, I always found it, find it amusing. One, the, the NFL never has their owners' meetings in Dubuque, Iowa, and they, they don't stay at the Red Roof Inn. But 20, <laughs> what was it? It would be 22, 22 years ago, I guess the spring of 95, uh, the March meetings, as you referenced, Mark, that's when the league initially turned down the Rams relocation. Then a month later in Dallas, they approved it. But uh, you, you, you were uh, subject of uh, controversy in, uh, in, in 95 regarding the, uh, the Rams move. And it's kind of lived on in, in Rams lore, at least those of us kind of behind the scenes. Tell us, uh, tell us about that. Oh well, we we uh, uh, this is one one particular story. We were sequestered in one of the uh, conference rooms. We being the the Rams people uh, included uh, Chip Rosenblum and his and his wife and and uh, a number of other people. Uh, were we were sequestered in a um, uh, in in a one of the one of the meeting rooms there. And that morning in the St. Louis Post Dispatch, there was an article. Uh, written by one young James Thomas that outlined almost exactly what was going on with uh, with the league in the in the confidential discussions and negotiations and what the various positions of the parties were and in while we were in that conference room uh, the the subject came up how could they possibly know how could they possibly know and there was this one lawyer for the Rams named Marty Gelfand, if people remember that. And, uh, I remember people. Marty, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad, glad you, you know him, but you knew him actually quite well, as it turns out, uh, <laughs> who, who, who went into a tizzy, slamming his hands on the chairs and saying, Gannis, you were the leak, you were the leak, and he was blaming me for it in front of everybody. And then later that same day, I saw you in the lobby of the hotel, and I said, Jim, I, haven't, I didn't tell you any of this. What in the world is going on? And you told me the same guy who accused me was the very guy who was the leak himself. And that is an important lesson to everyone, boys and girls. The person who accuses the loudest 
is likely the person who did it in the first place. See, we've got some life lessons here on Two Sports Town. One, try to be nice to everybody. And two, usually the squeaky wheel's the one responsible for the uh, trouble. It was funny because at the time, Mark, you and I had a great relationship, and you were great on background. But uh, you were pretty serious about not, not, not coughing up information, which I didn't exactly like about you at the time. You know, as a <laughs> reporter, you're always figuring out uh, information. But, yeah, you're, uh, Marty Gelfand, who is part of John Shaw's uh, Rat Pack of attorneys and assorted, uh, assorted friends. And, and Bob Wallace, he did have some characters that he surrounded himself with back in those days, didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Yes, he did. Well, that, that was an infamous meeting, not only because of that. That may have been the highlight or maybe the low light, depending on how you look at it. That was also the meeting where Lee Steinberg got mad at Bernie Miklas and, and gave him the finger and, and, uh, and uh, 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 gave him an F.U. In the, uh, in the hallways of the Biltmore uh, Hotel. And that was also where... Uh, uh, the late Bud Adams, then owner of the Houston Oilers, uh, just said to me and just a couple other reporters in one of the hallways there that uh, uh, we all want the St. Louis lease. That's where the term the St. Louis lease was uh, was uh, coined. So very, very interesting times, Mark. Now we fast forward. Obviously, the Rams back in L.A. What we wanted to do uh, most of all, besides tell some old war stories, is ask you about... Uh, the now or soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders. What did you make about that? There was no emotion at the meeting, a little discussion or questions. It was almost as if, uh, you know, they were, uh, okay, uh, they were flossing, and then, okay, let's vote, and what's for lunch? Uh, Oakland's going to Las Vegas. So were, were you surprised that it was so uh, matter-of-fact, the, the, the whole move of the Raiders to, to Las Vegas? Well, I, you know, it, it was a little too matter-of-fact, but uh, the, the fact that it was um, not controversial and, and went through uh, was not surprising to me. Uh, first, uh, uh, there, was a, there was a lot of work done in advance by the Joint Stadium and Finance Committees, which represented 17 owners in the league, I believe. So, uh, the, you know, once they went forward with it, uh, it, you know, you, you had it, it was almost a, a, a foregone conclusion, and then those a number of the owners who might have not wanted to go to Las Vegas, or alternatively might have wanted to give Oakland more of an opportunity, were supportive of uh, the Raiders moving to Carson, California, uh, other than which would have precluded the Rams relocation. And so uh, I, I believe there was a little bit of, of a feeling of we, we didn't come through for, uh, for the Raiders uh, and Mark Davis uh, in January of, of 2016 in Houston when we could not deliver uh, the, uh, the approval for the Carson project. Uh, and as a result, they were not going to stand in the way of, of Mark wanting to move to Las Vegas. The other, the other point in this, uh, is that Las Vegas was and Nevada were putting up $950 million, uh, 750 directly to go into the stadium and $200 million for uh, capital improvements on a going-forward basis and uh, a debt service reserve fund. And that's, that's a nice precedent to have when, when these teams start negotiating with the home communities next time. Yeah, a, a record uh, of public money. And I, in, in my reporting, and it's not like I did a ton of it, I... I routinely referenced 750, but I forgot that there was that extra 200 million for for maintenance and upkeep. 
you're not the only one who forgot. Apparently, a lot of the Las Vegas reporters didn't report on that either over the over the months. But it's there, <laughs> so it's close to a billion dollars of of tax money uh, going in, and so that uh, uh, and and the the. The, the, the deal was, is actually more economically sound than a lot of people thought it might have been. Some of the numbers that were out earlier uh, had the stadium pegged at over $2 billion when it's actually about a billion two or so. Uh, and so it's, it's actually a more reasonable economic deal for the Raiders than some people thought. And uh, once the, the issue of uh, Sheldon Adelson or somebody with gaming interests being a, an owner or having the indicia of ownership uh, was resolved, which it was by Mark Davis, uh, and Bank of America stepped up to fund whatever holes there might have been in the financing. Uh, it went went through very quickly. So now, Mark, you were uh, and you were involved really back in 1995 with the Raiders. So and, and they're a very interesting organization. Uh, and obviously, Oakland didn't come through with enough to keep the Raiders there. But the Raiders are saying they're going to stay uh, in Oakland for three for three more years. How do you think that's going to work out? The Raiders may be the only team that could that could be a. And I know Mark didn't like this term, but it's a term of art, so I'll use it. Lame duck uh, in in uh, in a home territory while they're while they've already announced that they're moving and the stadium in the in the new city is is under construction. They may be the only team in the NFL that could actually survive that. It's going to be uncomfortable. Uh, and Mark acknowledged that by saying, Let, "Don't don't take it out on the players or the coaches. Take it out on him." because uh, he's the one who made the decision, and that's a stand-up guy, so give him credit for that. But there will be anger, there will be vitriol. They, the Raiders fans are, are not known for being wallflowers, as we all know. Uh, so I think there's going to be some discomfort over the next year or two. And actually, politicians are, are saying that they, rather than give the Raiders the third year they're seeking, uh, is to uh, see if they can, they can terminate the, uh, the lease agreement sooner rather than later. Uh, so it's it's not a it's not a healthy situation. Is there any place in Las Vegas they could play? In the meantime? there really isn't there. There is a there is a stadium that that uh, uh, the UNLV plays in, but it would need a lot of upgrade work. Uh, there's a potential to go to uh, uh, the University of Nevada's got a stadium uh, and play there for for a bit. If if it, but it's it, it, none of them are very good options. Uh, but that is that is th- those are some possibilities. Yeah. The. Uh... I guess the stadium, I think it's called Boyd Stadium, uh, uh, people see the capacity. I think it's like 35,000. They say, well, that's like the StubHub Center. Well, the StubHub Center, I've never been in it, but I, I've seen it on TV. The NFL PA game is there every year. And and, and some of the, I, I think the LA Galaxy play there. It's very nice, and they have suites, and they have plenty of parking. Apparently, Boyd Stadium has has none of that, so it, it, it probably won't work. But the, the larger point, uh, Mark Gannis, uh, uh, stadium consultant, sports consultant with uh, Sports Corp, uh, joining us here on our Two Sport Town NFL uh, podcast, is Mark Davis thinks that the Raider Nation will be okay in that stadium and that some of the Raider Nation, both in L.A. and Oakland, will follow the team, at least go to some of the games in Las Vegas. Do you think, is there a little bit risk that he might be overestimating the, the power of the so-called Raider Nation? Uh, it, it could very well be. I do expect some of the Raider fans will follow the Raiders uh, to Vegas for, for a, variety, a variety of reasons. Most important is 
they're, they're, it's not that far away. I mean, it's a very short flight from Oakland, and there are many of them on Southwest Airlines. It's a very short flight from Los Angeles, and again, there, there are many of, many of them. Uh, so, and, and uh, it's in driving distance from Los Angeles, so you may, may see caravans of, of cars from L.A. on that, that one highway from, on, uh, on, on Raider home, gates, home dates. So there'll be some. Uh, will it be a, a significant number? You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, typically, the, the, there was when the Raiders moved from Oakland to L.A., there were quite a few at the start, and that dissipated over time. When the Raiders moved back to Oakland from L.A., there were some uh, at the start, but that dissipated over time. The Raiders really are going to have to develop a, a home uh, fan base in, in Las Vegas and Nevada. Uh, that's that's really what they they'll they'll rely on, and maybe there'll be some period during the first few years that there are more Raider fans that uh, from from Oakland and and Los Angeles that come in, but that that will likely slow down over the years. Now, Mark, we we keep hearing that the public appetite nationwide for uh, uh, for public money for stadiums uh, is uh, is lessening. That there there there's more opposition to it, but yet we see I think that new stadium in Minnesota half a billion dollars of public money, uh, the new stadium that will open uh, for the Atlanta Falcons next year, $600 million in public money, and now almost a billion dollars of taxpayer money uh, for uh, the stadium in Las Vegas. There, And granted, those weren't public votes. I think in all, all three cases it was just an act of the legislature, but Maybe we're overstating this. As long as there are still cities willing to give public money, there's always going to be the possibility of NFL relocation, right? True. Uh, we, we are. That, that is always going to be a possibility. The NFL is the easiest sport to locate in a smaller community because 75 to 80% of a team's revenues are generated nationally. Uh, the NFL tried to forestall that. They saw that as a trend after you had uh, the Rams move, the Raiders move, uh, the, the uh, Oilers move from Houston to Tennessee, uh, the Browns move from Cleveland to Baltimore, and the, and the, the Patriots, if you recall, uh, had a deal on the table to move from the suburbs of Boston to Hartford, Connecticut. The NFL then instituted, said, this is a problem. We have to keep teams in our major markets, and instituted what has been known as the G3 program, which has now morphed into the G4 program, where the league provided up to $150 million under G3 and now up to $200 million under G4 to help stadium developments or stadium renovations to keep teams in their home markets. It's been very successful. Uh, this move of the Raiders from Oakland to Las Vegas from the sixth largest market to the 40th largest market is an aberration. Uh, the league still would rather keep the teams in the larger markets, uh, but uh, and 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 the league really preferred the Chargers to have stayed in San Diego. I will tell you that also, even though theoretically that's that's moving to a larger market to L.A. Uh, but that all having been said, uh, the, the 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 issue here, Jim and Bob, is that these stadiums cost so much darn money these days. So you could say that. Uh, you know that that Atlanta is putting six hundred million dollars into the stadium uh, in there, but you also look at Arthur Blank and he's putting in over seven hundred million dollars into the stadium. That used to you could build used to be able to build four stadiums for that same amount of money. Somehow or another, these things have just gotten ridiculously expensive, and so everybody has to ante up. More. Bob, where where does it end? It's like a stadium arms race. I can remember the stadium here in St. Louis, the Dome, three hundred million. 
it was the most expensive stadium in the country at the time, and that's not that long ago. Well, remember back in the when teams were moving, and and, and Mark is correct that the teams are moving from uh, Los Angeles and Houston to smaller markets. Now, as they said, the league has kind of reversed that trend, uh, with Oakland being the aberration, moving to Las Vegas to a smaller. Uh, I don't know when it ends. There was a whole book written on the stadium game back even in the Roselle days. So uh, this has not been something new necessarily. Uh, you know, the, the revenues are shared so equally in the NFL, and the real difference is what you can make out of your home market. Uh, and, you know, I think that's really was the driving force behind the Rams move was uh, Stan figured in L.A. he could make much more money uh, than he would ever make in St. Louis. Mark, uh, when you were referring to the uh – 75% national money. That's basically the TV money, right? The network TV money? Well, yeah, it's not just. It's, it's television, it's international, it's internet, it's merchandise and licensing. Uh, so, so it, you know, putting on events like the Super Bowl. So it's, it's, uh, it's got more sources than just TV money, but TV money is the single largest. Right, and they also share a lot of the, uh, the ticket revenue now, even more so than they used to. Right. Uh, there's, it's called Visiting Team Share. Uh, VTS and VTS used to be uh, you'd give the in, in the old days literally a check uh, to the visiting team owner representing one third of the gate receipts that you generated in the game that uh, that that the other team played in. Uh, that 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 was a disparity before because if you played say the Denver Broncos or the New York Giants, you walked away with a much bigger check than if you played, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a, of a small stadium here, or one that didn't sell a lot, like Atlanta, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, for many years. Uh, now what they've done over the last few years, Bob's right, they've, they've now standardized that and said all the money goes into a single VTS pool, and it is then shared equally among the 32 clubs. So there's, there's even more equal sharing in the NFL than there used to be. And in the old days, as you're right, Mark, the owners, the old owners, uh, Bill Bidwell and uh, the Mares and the Roonies, uh, they would have their CFO walk the visiting chair check over to the visit over to the owner and hand it to him <laughs> on game day. On game day. Oh my God! That was a tradition of the old the, the old guard. Uh, they that's, don't do that anymore. That's 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 crazy, Mark. One last thing on the relocation topic. You've now had, in, in 14 months, a little more than 14 months, one-tenth of the league basically relocate. Obviously, the, uh, the Rams, the Chargers, and now the Raiders. How can that be good for business? These are markets where there's hundreds of thousands, maybe several million fans collectively, that are not happy about that. Long-term, how can that be good for the NFL's business? Uh, it's not. Uh, this, I think what we'll, we'll do is we're going to look back on this period, this effort to get a, a team in Los Angeles, and we're going to look at it um, very similarly to 95 when, uh, to, to, the, to the mid-90s, early mid-90s, when the NFL went through an expansion process. The, these other teams didn't move after the Rams moved. Well, the Rams moved, and, and then the Oilers and, and the Browns didn't move on their own. What happened was the expansion process was so successful, that, but there were, the league was only expanding by two teams, that there were multiple other markets that were fully prepared. And so these, these teams that had stadium situations at that time, or like in Houston, political situations where the, the, the mayor and the owner of the team were, were, were you know, ripping each other in the media every day, uh, you had those situations, so you, and they had ready markets that were already ready for them. 
uh, and so that it made relocation easier. In this case, it, it's kind of the same thing, only you know the reverse. What I mean by that is you had three teams that were given that were worked on on relocating and moving out of their markets, and so when but only one was going to be granted, or I guess it could have been two, uh, and ultimately was L.A. And so, but you still had two teams that were fully prepared to leave their market, and they both ultimately did. It's it's really the the same thing that happened in the in the 90s. Uh, the preparation is what set the table for the end result that went further than uh, the league would have liked. Some people will say that three problem franchises uh, got resolved, and and you know that's that's a that's a positive way of looking at it. Uh, but we can also look at it and say three long-standing NFL markets have been abandoned uh, by their teams, and it's not hundreds of thousands; it's in it's in the many millions of fans. If you look at the TV ratings, and that's a, a, that's not a good thing for a league to do. I think this will be an aberration uh, that that will go back to the relatively stable situation uh, we had for about two decades. But there is no question that when we look back on this. Uh, it's not going to be looked at as a as a good end result. And I'll I'll add one more thing. If if when when the league started on the L.A. process in '95, I guess it was could have been '94. If the the owners would have been told, you start down this process and the end result will be what we have today, I do not think they would have gone down the same process. The end result was the not only the a lesser case maybe the worst case that they were that 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 was definitely possible but the worst case leaving san diego is really something they did not want to do leaving oakland is not something is something they did not want to do um i i'm sorry about st louis fans because I, I i came to know and like so many of them uh but the uh, the the thing the the issue of a team being in St. Louis or Los Angeles was not a very hard Rubicon to cross. Uh, but the other two, if, if they would have said these other two are going to go along with it, I don't think they would have gone down that path. You know, Mark, we are in St. Louis, or I don't know how much time we have, but we are the kind of the forgotten city here. Uh, and the name of this show is uh, Two Sports Town. And so how well, how, and, and, I'm going to lead you with, we really want to hear bad news about the Rams in, in L.A., but how are the Rams doing in L.A., and how is that uh, going? How is their reentry into that market going? Well, you know, as, as, any, as these things typically go, there, there, there are some, some positives, and, and there are some things that are not as positive. Uh, on the positive, uh, I, I'm not sure, you, you, you mentioned, Bob, the visiting team share before. The Rams went from their last year in St. Louis as one of the lowest contributors to the visiting team uh, pool, which means that they had uh, among the, the, the lesser amount of home gate receipts, and they jumped to number one in the league. They were the largest contributor to visiting team share uh, ahead of the Patriots and the Cowboys and the, and the Broncos, which... I think surprised some people how much money they generated in ticket sales and gate receipts uh, in in L.A. Uh, the the, uh, uh, the negatives are that uh, L.A. is a is an enormously tough market to crack, uh, and it has tremendous competition. Uh, it has many alternative things to do in the fall, uh, and so it, it it has not captured the imagination of the public uh, in a positive way. That some people, that many would have hoped. 
uh, and now having to share the stadium with the Chargers and share the market with the Chargers isn't helpful. Uh, both of those were absolutely foreseeable. The stadium that's being constructed is uh, just it's an, it's an incredible, iconic facility. It's, it's going to be something that people go visit uh, just because it's so special. That having been said, these things take a while to plan, to build, and a lot of different entities and agencies have to approve it. And they're in that process now, and that's, not go, you know, and that's going as I would have expected it to go, which is not as fast as others might have thought it might have gone. So that's, that's another issue. Let's see what happens when they open up the sales to the PSLs um, and, and, uh, and see what the market reaction uh, is to that. And that will, uh, I think, be a good indicator of whether they have to slog through sales or whether there'll be a huge amount uh, coming in right on, you know, right in the beginning. There's that. There's a big pent up demand. We don't know that answer yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how those tickets in PSL go. Go if they keep throwing up four and twelves. Now, in closing, Bob, did you did you have a Mark Anna story you wanted to tell? No. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I, I told thank you. The check came through. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let me just tell you that Mark is uh, one of those people that, and we kind of said he's he's everywhere. You see him everywhere. Uh, but Mark is a is a if if he's a friend of yours, he's a friend of yours, and you can always depend upon him, and you can always call him. He'll do whatever he can for you to help you. And and uh, I I used to tease John Shaw and, and you uh, about all the consultants we have, and I always said, you know, as much as we gave Mark a hard time, he was the best consultant you ever had, John. There you have it. Well, God, I thought he was going to make fun of you. He said nice things, Mark. I, I don't know. I, I know, I, I, and, and, and as I said, it sounds like the check did come through. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's going to be some mutual admiration here. Bob came in at a very, very difficult time for the Rams. Uh, people don't remember this, but the Rams were basically a, a, uh, a two-person operation with John Shaw and Jay Zygmunt. And Jay abruptly resigned from the Rams uh, upon the relocation, shortly after the relocation to St. Louis. Uh, we were desperate to find somebody or more than one person. And Bob stepped up as, and, and in one person filled a massive void uh, that the team had at a critical time when it was relocating to St. Louis, when it was uh, involved in, in a lot of marketing, uh, involved in, in staffing up, uh, lots of legal issues, lots of organizational issues. And, and, and uh, you know, those of us who know John know how much patience he has for those kinds of things, uh, which isn't all that much, uh, and, uh, and really stepped up and is, is one of the critical people who made the relocation to St. Louis a success. Uh, for at least the first 15 years of the team being there, and it was uh, wouldn't have happened without him. I can tell you that. Thank you, Mark. There we go. There we go. Mark Gannis, thank you so much for being on Two Sport Town. We're, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up for for this week. Another great show, and we'll talk to you all next time on Two Sport Town. And Mark, I think they have to get you back on because you got some. You can tell them about what Sports Car is doing and the NBA and China and your relationship with the commissioner. Mark's got a lot of great stories that would be. Your, your audience would like to hear. Sounds, sounds yeah. like a plan. Take care, Mark. Thanks, Bob. And thanks, Jim.